all around the world, men and women, people of all ages, have witnessed the awesome manifestation of God's presence, power, and His love rendered in words, words beyond the written pages. Why are we preaching like this? Why do we travel all around the world preaching the gospel? Because Jesus is coming again. And he left us with a message to tell the untold. A message for the whole world. This message of faith in God and his unfailing word has brought about change in the lives of millions around the world. An improvement that brings many more to such meetings with the man of God, knowing that their lives will never be the same again. Today we bring you excerpts from a special meeting with our man of God, Pastor Chris. Pastor Chris, worth hearing. Glory to God. Anything is possible. And that's not a religious cliche, it's real. Anything is possible. I believe in miracles because I believe in God. You know, if you believe God's word, it will produce results for you. If you don't believe it, it will not work. Romans chapter 1 Verse 16, let's look at it. You know, some people think, if it's from God, it should just work. That's not the way the Bible says. Look at this. Paul says here, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. Not to the one that doesn't believe. The gospel of Christ is the power of God to produce salvation to everyone who believes. If you don't believe, it will not work. It's not enough for it to be the word of God. The word of God must be believed and acted upon. If you don't believe it, it will not work. It is the power of God, the gospel, is the power of God to produce salvation for everyone who believes. Remember, I shared something with you from Romans chapter 10, verse 8. Go back there. Romans chapter 10, verse 8. But what said it? The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. He says the word is so close to you. He calls it the word of salvation when you read the verses before this. It's dealing with salvation. And it says the word that brings salvation is so close to you, it's in your mouth and in your heart. Then it says, next verse, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God had raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. 
You believe with your heart. You confess with your mouth. Why? The next verse. For with the heart, man believes. You believe with your heart. You can't believe with your mind. You believe with your heart. You don't believe with your brain. You believe with your heart. Your heart is your spirit. For with the heart, man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. The two must go together. When you believe it, you've got to say it. If you believe it and you don't say it, it will not work. He says, the word is nigh thee. It is in thy mouth and in thy heart. I told you that the power of that sound code is that it works between the word of God. That means it must be in alignment with the word of God. And how do you know? From your heart. Your heart must line up with the word of God. That's what he says, with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. With the heart you believe and you are aligned with God. You are made right with God. You believe unto righteousness. So your heart must be in line with God's word. Then with your mouth, you make the proclamation that catapults you into salvation or all the blessings of salvation. That's the way it works. That's the principle of the kingdom of God. The most important thing in the kingdom of God is salvation for man. Can you see that? That means the most important principle of that kingdom with respect to man will be revealed in salvation. And that's what it just showed you. If in the earth here, the most important thing for your life is salvation, then it means that the principle of salvation is the most important. And that's exactly what it reveals to you. That principle governs everything about your life in your relationship with God. You believe with your heart, you say it with your mouth. You believe with your heart, say it with your mouth. That's what we studied yesterday in Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 5. He says, for he had said, so that we may boldly say. See, he said it, so I can believe it and speak in accordance with his word. So, your heart and your mouth. Lots and lots of millions of us around the world, Christians, we are many. But not every Christian is having a great life. Not every Christian is enjoying Christianity. Because a lot of them don't know what it is. They don't know what Christianity is. They think it's one nice religion. But Christianity is not a religion. Christianity is a pulsating life of Christ in a human being. It is divinity at work in humanity. It is the revelation of the divine through the human life. That is Christianity. It is the manifestation of God's kingdom through a human vessel. That is Christianity. It is righteousness at work in a human being. That's Christianity. It is a revelation of God's righteousness. See? So, 
once you understand that, you find that the living from day to day beyond circumstances becomes a joy. Every day for you is a joy. No matter what you're facing. You know, sometimes some people say, well, you don't know what I'm going through in my job. You don't know what I'm going through. You it's not about what you're going through. There needs to be a clear distinction between status and situation. You have to distinguish between your status and your situation. The revelation of God's word that you have unveils your status. But that may not change your situation. So the first thing you need to understand is what God says about your status. Because if you understand your status, then you can start living from inside out. Your status must be apprehended first. Your status must be understood first. And then you superimpose the tenets and principles of that status on your situation. And your situation will be altered. But you know some people want, want situation first without understanding status. So they're looking at their situation. Your situation may not change. But that doesn't change your status. Once you, you know, that's why we can rejoice irrespective of what, where we are. Because I know who I am. You understand that? Yeah. First thing is to know who you are. Know your status. Who are you? Once that is clear to you, you don't care about your situation. You're going to win anyhow. Hallelujah. Because you've come to find out who you are. You've come to discover that you are invincible. That means you can't be defeated. Glory to God. You know, everything that God has created is inexterminable. Uh, that means that nothing of matter can go extinct. What happens is matter or substance changes form. It can only change from one form to another. Let's suppose that your shoes got burnt and everything got burnt, turned to ashes. The original creative particles from where 
your shoes eventually got made or created are not destroyed. They've only changed form. You get it? They've only changed form. Let's suppose, oh, this is nice. I, I can see a lot of you, you don't have any hair on your head, okay? <laughs> yeah, you've gotten rid of your hair. Though your hair is no longer on your head, <laughs> it's, it's, not, it's not inexistent. It exists, it's somewhere. It's only been expanded. Let me explain. Suppose, maybe I should use this one. Suppose that this tablet, um, it's solid mass, right? Good. Let's suppose that we subjected this to extreme heat and brought it to a molten state and it became liquid, it will remain the same mass but existing in a different state, in an expanded state because the constituent particles are now more distant apart, okay? So it's in an expanded state. Let's suppose that we take that liquid that this has been converted into through the application of heat energy, okay? Let's suppose that this liquid, by the way, don't look at me like I'm a Science professor, I'm not, I'm, I'm Pastor Chris, okay? <laughs> so I'm neither a physicist nor a chemist. I'm just teaching you the word of God. All right. So let's suppose that this liquid that we now have, which is the same, the same mass, it's only being expanded in the liquid state. We subject it, that, subject that liquid to more heat. What will happen is, further expansion. The particles will be even more distant apart. And let's continue until it goes to the next state. And form gases. And these gases are released into the air. If we were able to contain the gases, it will be the same mass as this thing was before. But in an expanded state such that this tablet has disappeared. I can't see it because it's all gas now, but it is not inexistent. It still exists, but in an expanded state. So someone says, oh, that tablet has disappeared. It has not disappeared. 
It exists, but in another state. Imagine if I had the ability, the power, the instrumentality to bring all of those particles back together. Then you say, oh, it's back, it's back, it's back. I can see it again. If we can understand what Jesus said, when he said to us, the very hairs of your head are numbered. You've gotten rid of your hair on your head, for example. Okay? To you, you cut the hair long ago. It was either burnt or whatever it was. To you, it's gone extinct. It's not gone extinct. It exists in some other state somewhere. Because Jesus said, Every strand of hair on your head is coded. He said they are numbered. Arithmel, it means that they have been numbered, meaning they are given a definite code number. Are you following this? Every time a strand of hair falls from your head, God has a record of the exact hair. The code number of the hair from your head that fell down. And Jesus, in teaching that, wanted us to know that we were of more value than many sparrows. That if God went as far as taking, giving code numbers to the strands of our hair, he wanted us to know how important we were. And so imagine that you have become bald-headed and you've tried all the creams in the world. <laughs> and nothing could bring it back. All you need is to do what the Bible says. To get into the heavenly realm. <laughs> Go beyond time and space. Now let's look at it. Romans chapter 8. Let's begin from verse 1. Romans chapter 8. From verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. Now, this is so powerful. It says, no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after their senses. They're not walking according to their senses, but according to the spirit. I told you, living the heavenly life is walking in the Spirit, is living in the Spirit and by the Spirit. So you see with the eyes of the Spirit. That means you go beyond time and space. So you become an unlimited person. Do you realize that for many Christians, they only recognize this when they are praying? Imagine they're praying for their uncle that is many, many, many kilometers away. How do you know that your prayer will affect him? Yeah? Because you're going beyond time and space. But God wants you to become conscious of that life, not when you're on your knees alone. Every day and everywhere you are. You'll be amazed. Now let's go and look at verse 2. It says, For the law of the spirit of life, dear God, there's a law of life. 
That law of life is at work in your spirit. That law of life was activated when you were born again. So death is not at work in you. Life is at work in you. Because you're a child of God. Look at it. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free. He didn't say he's making me free. Hath made me free from the law of sin and death. Hath made me free. There are two laws here. There's a law of the spirit of life and there's a law of death. And it lets us know that the law of life is more powerful than the law of death. So, the law of life has made me debt free. Let me explain what that means. When you say this thing is water resistant, okay? It's water resistant, meaning that if I put it into water, water cannot destroy it. Then, think about inside it being air-free. It means that air can get into it, and there's no air in it. It means it is what? Airtight. Now, when it tells you that he has made you debt-free, You get it? It means death has ceased to work in you. In fact, in fact, let me put it in the, in, in the right way. Not that death has ceased to work in you, but that you are, you are off death limits. Not because, he, not because he has made you to come out of death limits. Oh God. He means that you, you don't belong there. So, he is not saying, I want you to understand the language, because sometimes if we don't study the original carefully, we wouldn't get the sense. He is not, he's not the sense of deliverance he's given you. He is not saying the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has freed me from the law of sin and death. That's what I'm trying to explain to you. He has not freed me from the law of sin and death. He has made me death free. That means... I am untouchable by death. Are you following this? These are two laws. So the law of death is not at work in me. The only way I can bring death into my life is by reprogramming myself. Through words of death. So in debt, back into my life. So in debt, back into my business. So in debt, back into my body. So in debt, back into my family. So in debt, into my path. But if I keep on saying, in my path, there is no death. <laughs> then I walk the way of life. Because the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. He's letting you know what law exists in Christ Jesus. Remember the Bible says, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. That's where we are. We are in Christ Jesus. And the law that operates there is the law of life. 
Are you following this? The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus had made me free from the law of sin and death. Verse 3. It says, for what the law, he's talking about the law of Moses, okay? What the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh. I wish I had time to explain that to you. God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, condemned sin in the flesh, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us. Oh, hallelujah. That the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. Okay, look at this one. For they that are after the flesh, they that are, who live according to the senses, they that are after the flesh, mind the things of the flesh. They're concerned about the things of the flesh. I told you yesterday, they're the ones who get angry because somebody stepped on their toe. They're so mad because, you see, they're concerned about fleshly things. They're stirred by fleshly things. They're attracted to fleshly things. Their motivation is about fleshly things. Are you still there? They are the ones looking for, oh, I gotta buy a bag that has a, a raining name. When you're supposed to be raining. Even sometimes, those who wear glasses, sometimes they, they, they buy glasses that are raining. <laughs> they want a frame that has a name, you know, the name of some designer. That's not a bad thing anyway, you know, because uh, it might be a matter of quality. Some names have better quality. But uh, if it's just because you want to brag about the name of the stuff you are carrying, you're kind of, yeah. You shouldn't be bragging about, no, you shouldn't brag about such things. Brag about Christ in you. Yeah. Yeah. When you want to buy something because it's got a good name, because of its quality, that's, that's for you. That's okay. But don't do it because you want some fellow to see, you know, what name you're carrying. Why isn't it your name? <laughs> so don't invest in the flesh. <laughs> Glory to God. For they that are after the flesh mind, they do mind the things of the flesh. You see, that's what they're concerned about. See, they mind the things of the flesh. But they that are after the spirit, the things of the spirit. See, what do you mind? What are you concerned about? What are the things that stare you? What are the things that make you happy? The things that jar or stare your emotions will tell you where you're at in the life you're living. The things that offend you or make you happy, whether they are of the flesh or of the spirit. Okay, it's not true yet. Verse 6. For to be carnally minded is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. You see that? To be carnally minded. I don't know how I'm going to get this money. I don't know how I'm going to get this job. I don't know who I'm going to talk to. To be carnally minded is death. He says you're going back 
to that law of death that the life of Christ has brought you completely free of. Why do you want to go back there? I don't know who to help me. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. You start feeling bad because your friends you used to know don't recognize you anymore. Do you ever stand on the roadside? And while you're waiting there, an old friend of yours just came and, you know, passed and splashed water on you. And you recognize that car? The guy used to be your friend. Didn't even stop to pick you. Then you say, such is life. <laughs> if you stay like that, you're going to get old like that. You get older and older and age until you die a sad man. Be happy. Wave to him. Because your own car is coming. Learn to be happy. Learn to be full of joy. Once the devil can knock your joy out of you, he's got you tied up. Never forget that. The Bible says the joy of the Lord is your strength. So once the enemy can get your joy out of you and get you frustrated and angry and offended without exuding that joy and, 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 and living in that joy, then he's got you under his arm. He's got you tied up. And frustrated people frustrate others. Unhappy people make others unhappy. Hurting people hurt others. That's the way it is. They don't see any reason why you should be too happy. <laughs> Glory. Hallelujah. Oh, oh, hallelujah. <laughs> All right, next verse. Well, it says, for to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Next verse. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God. Did you know that? Well, what is the carnal mind? Carnal mind doesn't mean sinful mind, but it is prone to sin. You see that? Carnal mind just means ordinary. Just the ordinary guy. You know, people say, oh, you know, I'm just an ordinary guy. Are you not? When I got born again, I ceased to be ordinary. So, you know, we ordinary guys. That means we cannot guys. What a description. I'll never describe myself as ordinary. And I don't accept someone describing me as ordinary because I'm not ordinary. I'm born again. I'm full of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. I couldn't be ordinary. Got the word of God in me. Got the life of Christ in me. How could I be ordinary? Carnal means ordinary. Of mere human understanding. That's what it means to be carnal. Just general. Just normal human life. And the Bible says to be like that. Is to be in enmity against God. He doesn't like you to be ordinary. He doesn't want you to just be ordinary. 
But if you don't know the word of God, you think it's normal because that's the language around you. Because all the people around you say that, you know, we ordinary people. So they think it's nice. They think it's normal communication. But you see, when you learn the word of God, you stop talking like that. You see, that's what the Bible says. Go to Romans. We'll come back here. Go to Romans chapter 12. Let's read from verse 1 and 2. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world. He says, don't become like those around you. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed. He's talking about a metamorphosis. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Can you see that? How are you going to renew your mind? Through information. If you don't know, you just will be where others are. And what did God say? My people are destroyed for the lack of knowledge. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. He says, if you will walk like this, walk in the will of God, renewing your mind, he says, your life will prove the acceptable, he says, the good, the acceptable, and perfect will of God. These are three levels of God's will. And the highest of them is the perfect will of God. You still there? All right. So go back to verse 7 we were. Yeah. It says, because the kind of man is enmity against God for his... Look at, look at that. It says, it's not subject to the law of God. Neither indeed can be. You see? It says, canal people, canal minds are not subject to God's word. And they cannot be subject to God's word until they have another life. A man must be born again. And when you receive that other life, you become spiritual. Say, I'm not carnal. I'm spiritual. I'll show that to you in a second. Because the kind of man is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. Verse 8. So then, they that are in the flesh cannot please God. You see, who are those in the flesh? Those who walk in the senses. They don't walk by faith. For the Bible says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. Look at them here now. These are the people who walk without faith. So then, they that are in the flesh cannot please God. Those who say, seeing is believing. Show it to me first. Seeing is believing. They cannot please God. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6 says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. So when you say, seeing is believing. No, the Bible says, believing is seeing. He says, if you believe, you will see. Jesus said, didn't I tell you that if you will believe, you will see the glory of God? Can our men say, seeing is believing. Show it to me and I will believe. How can you believe after I've shown it to you? <laughs> no, it, it, it sounds crazy. Come on here. You're sitting here now. You believe you're sitting here? You know you're sitting here. You believe something that you haven't seen. After you have seen it, you cannot believe it again. You now know. 
It has become part of your knowledge. That's why after you have received Christ into your life, I tell people, we are not believers. Uh, don't be deceived by the general terminology where we are described and we describe ourselves as believers in Christ. When, we are not believers. In reality, you've got to understand it. Because he says, if you believe, you shall receive. You see that? He that believeth hath everlasting life. So when I believe, I, believing is a process. Do you get it? It's a means to an end. I cannot continue in the journey trying to get something. When I believed, that was the process of getting to receive what he promised. That if I would believe, I would receive, I would become. So I believed and so I became. So I'm no longer a believer, I have become. Do you get it? And then, you know, especially during the High Life conferences, we try to help a lot of believers understand that don't be deceived by the terminology. Okay? That because we call ourselves believers, it's because for so long we have used that term for ourselves. So we use it to identify ourselves. Are you a believer? I say, oh yeah, I'm a believer. Great, great, great. But we need to know beyond our uh, uh, nomenclature. We should know ourselves beyond that. I'm more than a believer. When I believe, I got something. So they say, if you believe, you will enter the house. So I believed, I entered the house. Who am I now? One of the household. <laughs> See, I belong in the house. I'm numbered among those that live in the house. Believing qualified me. So I say to them, did you receive anything when you believed? Then they start thinking. Mm. Because nobody ever asked them that question. When you believed in Jesus, did you receive anything? I think. Huh. Mm. They're trying to think, what did they receive? Did you receive eternal life when you believed? Oh, yes, 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 yes. So who are you now? You get it? So I'm more than a believer. I believed and I received. I have qualified by believing. It was a process and I've come in to the house. So in the Bible, you would notice that he tells us that the believers were called Christians. And they first called them Christians in Antioch. Glory to God. All right, verse, verse 8. We're in verse 8. So then, they that are in the flesh cannot please God. All right, look at verse 9 now. But ye are not. Oh, he never leaves us in doubt as to who we are. You know, you could have started asking yourself, am I in the flesh? Am I in this? Am I this? He says, but ye are not in the flesh. Say, I'm not in the flesh. I may have acted as though I was in the flesh. But I'm not in the flesh. Uh, so now he wants you to do like you are supposed to be. Look at it. But ye are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. Say, I'm in the spirit. Ye are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if so be. You know, one day, years ago, I was a, just a young Christian, you know, beginning my, my faith life. And um, a certain brother came to visit me. He had been a, an older Christian. And 
he said to me, he said, uh, you don't hear the voice of God very well. I said, you are right. You know, because if I said that now, you'd be amazed how many of us here will quickly identify with me and say, I don't hear very well. I want to hear the voice of God better. I didn't understand the principles of the kingdom then. So he said, you don't hear the voice of God very well. I said, it's true. I thought he was going to teach me how to hear better. He <laughs> said, so when God speaks to you, you need to hear him better. I said, it's true. <laughs> After the exhortation, <laughs> I wasn't any better. I only felt worse because now I'm not the only one that now knows I don't hear the voice of God very well. Someone else has even come to tell me. So maybe God has revealed to him that I don't hear very well. I was frustrated. So I was praying about it. That God, I want to hear your voice better. I don't know the voice of God. I am confused about this. Then, I was studying, for some reason, I found myself in St. John's Gospel, chapter 10. And I came across where Jesus said, my sheep know my voice. I shouted, Lord, I know your voice. Because he says, a stranger's voice will they not follow. I said, I will not follow a stranger's voice. I know your voice. Immediately, I rejected what that brother told me. I said, I know the voice of God. From that day, I've known the voice of God. <laughs> Hallelujah. See, follow what he says. Not what your experiences tell you. Look at that, look at that scripture again, verse 9. Go back to that verse 9. He says, but ye are not in the flesh. Until he said this, I would have convinced myself that I'm so carnal and fleshly. God, please help me. Please save me from fleshly life. Why? Because my, all my experiences are telling me that you, 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 that you, you talk like this. You talk, all those things Pastor just said now. You, it's you. <laughs> and with all that conclusion, I would have said, I'm in the flesh. Says, so then, verse 8. So then, they that are in the flesh cannot please God. I feel sorry for myself. Oh, they that are in the flesh. See, that's me. Cannot please God. Then maybe I start crying. How will I please God? How will I please God? I'm in the flesh. But immediately in verse 9, he says, But! Ye are not in the flesh. But in the spirit. Hallelujah! He didn't, say, he didn't say if you feel like it. No, he says, if so be that the spirit of God dwell in you. If you've got the spirit of God in you, you are in the spirit. Hallelujah! Not if you feel like it. Not if you haven't done anything wrong. This is the mind of God. See why I love the word of God? Nobody can do me like Jesus. 
No one can tell me who I am like the Holy Ghost in his word. Hallelujah. But ye are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. So be that the spirit of God dwell in you. Then he says, now, if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. If you don't have the spirit of Christ, he says, this doesn't belong to you. You're not in Christ. So where do you start? From Christ. So start with him. Give your heart to the Lord. That's where it starts. Hallelujah. Okay, now, haven't read this. But ye are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. Say, I am not in the flesh. I am in the spirit. I am in the spirit. You see, until I can help you see that you're in the spirit, I cannot help you function in the spirit. See, God's principle in the New Testament is called the mirror principle. He shows you who you are and where you are. And once you can accept it, you will see yourself there. That's the mirror principle.